you got your Bibles, go to Matthew 13. Starting at verse 24. Doing something a little different today. Um, I don't over-spiritualize everything, I promise you, but of all mornings, I could not get connected to the printer. And I about laid hands on it. So, I'm going to be preaching from an iPad. So, this is uh, something I typically do not do. But if the battery dies, the sermon might be shorter. So, nobody be praying for that. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, I want you to say that, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst, thou, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? Kind of questioning him. Didn't you put good seed out there? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So many messages you could preach out of that right there. Together the tares. This is one thing that jumped out to me. This is kind of off topic, but I'll just throw it out there. There's coming a day where the the tares, those who are against the church, those who try to hinder the church, those who live in sin, those who are not for God, those who try to stop the growth of the church, those tares will be bound together. And they will burn together. I'm talking about hell. But in that same time, there's going to be a time where there is going to be a gathering of the wheat, the good seed, the good, those who had a heart after his ways, those who would seek first the kingdom of God. And those he will gather in his heavenly barn. It's coming a day. For a few moments, I want to speak to you this topic. Reapers and defenders. Reapers and defenders. And second title, defend the harvest. It's time to defend what God has given you. It's time to defend what God has given us as a church. We have to defend this harvest. And I'm not just talking about, listen, I'm not just talking about what's out there. You're a part of the harvest too. 
you have to defend what you have right here in this room right now. If we get so caught up on what's out there, and I'm, I'm all about winning souls. That's what we're about, right? We want to win souls. But we have to make sure first and foremost, we have to defend the harvest that's in these four walls. What God has given us. God's given us good wheat. God's given us good soil. Good ground for growth. God's given that to us. So we have to defend it today. Amen. Can we give God praise before we're seated this morning? Can you lift your voice and thank God for what he's already done in this place? He's done so much already. Come on. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor, Lord. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you today, God. It's all about you. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, defend your harvest. You may be seated. I want to say it's good to have Rachel and Elijah with us today. Thank you guys for being here. And thank you for jumping up and playing the bass for us today. We greatly appreciate that. You did a great job. Great job doing that. So let's go back to Matthew 13, verse 36. We're going to jump and read a verse we did not open up with. But <clears throat> Matthew 13, verse 36 this is one of the rare opportunities we get to hear Jesus break down a text. He has told them the parable, relayed a story to them, and left the disciples with some questions as to what he meant about the parable. And here Jesus clarifies the scenario for them. Matthew 13, 36, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. They basically were saying, we're a little confused. We don't get it. Can you please explain this to me? Break it down. Make it simple. In other words, they said, explain what you're talking about there. And he answered and said unto him, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Now the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. And the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is in the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. And the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. And there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Those who have an ear to hear, let them hear. I would encourage this church this morning, if you have ears to hear his word, let your ears be open to his word. I want to take a minute to talk about a war that we are facing right now in this hour. It's not a war of bombs and guns and military powers, but there is a war going on between two parties, but not in this world. There is a war between two worlds taking place right now, and that the majority of the world doesn't even realize what is taking place around them. But we, as the church, in this hour, understand. 
And that is why that we, as the church, need to make sure that our vision is not that of this flesh. That you cannot get so caught up in what you see on social media. You cannot get so caught up of what you see in the news that you forget about what the Word of God says. Do not be shocked when you see end-time prophecy fulfilling itself right in front of your eyes. Do not be caught by surprise. The Word of God tells us these times are coming. But that tells me what's just ahead. I get excited about it. Some people say, I want to face that. I know what's on the other side of that. Whatever it is. Some people say, you'll have people that will, I'll say, argue the debate on whether they're pre-tribulation or mid-tribulation or post-tribulation. I'm sure there's probably different opinions all over this place. And whether it be pre, hallelujah. Whether it be post, hallelujah. Whether it be mid, hallelujah. He'll give us the strength to make through whatever it is. It's his plan, his design, his church. God will give us what we need. But in this hour, it is time for the church to awaken and to arise. We have to be willing to fight. We have to be willing to defend the harvest that God has given us. Now, I know you're probably asking, why in the world would you take a text that's talking about a garden and start talking about war? I know it's a little different. I know. But listen, when there's good things in the garden, you got to defend the garden. I had a, was introduced to a little bit of Appalachian last week. A whole lot of Appalachian last week. When Presley, I know if I mention my kids, I told them I'll give them five bucks if I mention you and use you in the sermon. So it's coming to you, bud. But I got to share this story. As we were upstairs in the room, I looked out. I said, oh, there's a groundhog that's going to get into our garden. The garden's growing. It's looking good. And especially right now, everybody needs a good garden. And I saw this enemy, little furry enemy, was going to come and destroy our garden. Presley wasn't having it. We opened the window and we yelled out, hey, get out of here. And it just ignored us. It had got so used to us yelling at it that it didn't affect it anymore. Ooh, that'd preach. Sometimes, oh, hallelujah, I'll preach. Sometimes you need to add a little bit of force into your prayer with some fasting maybe and quit just yelling at the devil all the time because he's getting used to your voice and he ain't. He ain't scared no more because there ain't no power there. Mm. Any of that ham and organ, where you at, babe? So Presley did something that maybe we shouldn't. I don't know, Brother Ben, maybe we should just kind of cut this out. <clears throat> I don't know if it's probably not legal. But anyways, it is what it is. I'm going to share it anyways. No law enforcement in here? We're good? Okay, hallelujah. 
city officials uh, close enough to the county line. We were good. But he said, where's the 22? Didn't say. He said, I'm getting it. Get it. So instead of going out in the yard to get the groundhog, that's right, Brother Mark, because that's the Appalachian way of doing things. And he said, I need something to prop this on. I said, here's the screen that just popped out. I said, bud, you've only got that much room. It's all you can see is the top of his head. He said, that's all I need. confident little boy, huh? He wasn't lying. As he pulled that thing back, and he put that thing right between its eyes. Because when you see something that's going to come in and destroy the work that you have put in, there's something that just naturally rises, should naturally rise up inside of you that says, mm-mm, I'm not just going to stand here and watch that tear up what I've been putting work into. That's what I'm talking about the church this morning. We're not just reapers, but we have to be defenders. And when we see the enemy coming in trying to destroy and steal what we have put our work into, our time, our effort, everything we have invested into this, I'm telling you right now, somebody needs to defend what God is doing in this church. Woo! Somebody shout amen. Amen. So you're asking, now you understand why I brought up wars and gardens. And we'll understand a little better. But first of all, Jesus introduces a thought that I want you to put your study cap on just for a minute this morning. A little bit of teaching and preaching together. Jesus introduces a thought that I want you to really focus on. He said, the kingdom of heaven is likened. It's metaphorical. In other words, he is using something you can understand to explain something that you could not understand. So since he's dealing with a society that focuses largely on on agriculture for for, for their income, that's where their income came from. They needed the fields. If they didn't have a harvest, they're broke. So they have to have this. If, if you didn't raise this garden, if you didn't plow, if you didn't rake what you had, if you didn't harvest, then you have no income. Because it wasn't so much about money in the days of Christ as much as it was about raising a crop through which you could barter the crop in exchange for other things that you needed. So he's using something that everybody, every individual that he's talking to would understand to explain something that was so spiritual and so abstract that it was beyond human composition that they could not fathom what he was saying. Did I lose anybody yet? We good? All right, so they understood the value of a crop. They got that. 
if I preached on if I preached on something today, if I want to if I wanted to preach about uh, maybe um, losing something, I might use the price of gas right now because we all understand you feel like you're losing a lot when you're there. If I preached on pain this morning, I would preach on the gas pump. If I preached on depression this morning, I'm just kidding. You get my point. He was going where they would understand, a place that they could get this, that if we didn't grow a good crop, we're not eating. It was that if we didn't grow a good crop, we could not trade for anything. So when you look at the metaphor about the crop, you are actually looking at the very economic empowerment of the society of people that is based on their sowing and their reaping. It meant everything to them. Sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. If you did not maintain that cycle, a consistency of sowing and reaping, not only did you not have a harvest, but it would affect everything in your house because you did not have the ability to keep the cycle going. So let's stop right here for a moment. I want us to understand this whole thing of sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping and seed time and harvest. Reality is this. Christians don't really shout about seed time. But we love to shout about harvest. We talk about there is a harvest. There is a harvest. There is a harvest. Yes, I preach about it. We talk about there is a harvest. Yes, you're coming into a season. You ever heard somebody tell you? It's all right. It's just a season you're in. You're coming into a season. You're getting ready to reap. Hallelujah. Woo. Everybody shout on that one. You're getting ready to reap your harvest. That's when people run the aisles. We have to get this this morning. Reaping is hard work. Sowing is hard work. I know it's hard work. Ministry is hard work. I know I was real with you just a few moments ago. I wasn't shocked. I've been in ministry long enough to know it's not easy. But I'm also talking about the ministry of reaping and sowing. It is ministry. It is hard work. So when I say sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping, what I'm really saying is working and working and working and working. It takes work. It takes work to grow a church. It takes work to win souls. It takes work to defend the harvest. It takes work to keep yourself saved. We can't reach anybody if we can't keep ourselves saved. Amen? So this notion slips past the minds of a lot of people. They think, well, I'm going to work and I'm going to play. But no, you're going to work and you're going to work. You're going to work to sow the seed and then you're going to work to reap the harvest. Believe it or not, at times some Christians have a habit of believing in magic 
when it comes to a harvest. They believe that if they sow a seed or they give an offering or spin around three times or dance and if they on one foot and God's going to bless them. Yes. Maybe that's what it's going to take. Now, can God bless you if you sow a, a, a seed of, of faith and you give something? Absolutely, God can bless you. And we have a testimonies of that all over this place. But that's not why we give. That's not why you dance. It's not why you shout. It's not why you clap your hands. It's not why we do that. But what they don't understand is that the blessing is as much work as the sowing is. And if you don't understand that, God can send you the blessing. But you don't have to work or you don't have the work ethic to receive it. Because you think you're going to sow and cross your legs and wait. Or I'm going to just sow and lay on the lazy boy and just reap. Mm -mm. I'm going to sow and watch TV and reap. It's not going to be like that. You're going to sow and then you're going to start reaping. And when you get the first bud, you're going to have to go running to catch what God has for you. It's the cycle of giving and receiving, of sowing and reaping, is working and working. You start working with joy because you're seeing some response. You're seeing some value. You're seeing some validation and is coming back into your life of what you have put into it. That's why there was a passion that would rise up when the groundhog thought it was going to come in and steal what we got dirty for and worked for. Absolutely not. Not in my garden. Learned his lesson. Now there's another one that's popped up a couple days ago. He's about to learn his lesson. Don't touch the garden. Mm -mm. Somebody just shout, don't touch my garden. Tell the devil, don't be touching my garden. So this system sustained the society. So what we were talking about in the text is not just agriculture, but the agriculture, the strength of the crop controlled the net worth of the holder in those days. The strength of the crop controlled the net worth of the holder, and if the crop wasn't good, then the net worth of the holder diminished. So the text is actually talking about value. If you don't understand that, then let me break it down to the text and to the language that we're familiar with. A certain man went forth and sowed good seed into the field and sent those that were up under him to tend to the field after he sowed it. And while men slept, the enemy came and planted tear amongst the wheat. Now see, if you don't understand this, you won't understand why the enemy came. You need to understand that the man knows the integrity of the seed that he planted. I'll say it one more time. The man knew the integrity of the seed that he planted. He sowed good seed into his field. There's no question about the integrity of the seed. The seed is good. The seed is absolutely good. I'll tell you, as a church, we're planting some good seeds in the ground in this city. We're planting some good seeds in the ground, the soil of this church. We are planting truth. We're preaching truth across this pulpit. We're casting seed every single week. Good seed, truthful seed, plentiful seed. 
The seed is so good that the jealous enemy looked over there and said, if I don't do something to head it off, he is going to increase the value in the kingdom. So while men slept, the enemy came to plant the tare amongst the wheat. Now the tare planted amongst the wheat tells you that the limitations of the enemy, because he has limitations, he could not destroy the integrity of the wheat All he could do was plant tear around the wheat. But he couldn't stop the wheat from being wheat. The creator of the wheat has the say over what the wheat is. So all he could do is simply plant the tear around the wheat. I thought you'd get excited over that one. I don't know. Maybe some of you know where I'm going some of you are like, I have no clue what he's talking about. It's okay. We'll, we'll bring us all together. You have to understand what the conflict is here. What is up under scrutiny here is the integrity of the seed. And it makes me want to say that, that he that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So you're not counting. Listen. There's a seed that's been planted in this place. There's a seed of truth that's been planted in this place. We're not counting on the weather. We're not counting on the environment. We're not counting on the government. We're not counting on our finances. We're not counting on the soil. But we're counting on the integrity of the seed that we're planting. We're casting the good seed that's being it's being put in. It's being put inside of you. It's been placed down deep inside of you. There's been a seed. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, there's a powerful seed that's been placed inside of you. I don't need the weather to be all put together perfect for it to be be powerful and working in my life. The seed has integrity. Hear me. The only thing the enemy could do was plant imposters amidst the, the wheat because he knew that he didn't have the power to destroy the wheat. And the only thing he could do was trying to disturb the growth. That's all he could do. He said, I can't kill the wheat. I can't remove the wheat. But the only thing I can do is try to hinder the growth of the wheat. Mm -hmm. No weapon formed against you. I don't care what tear has been planted. And I can tell you, and I told you earlier, that there has been tears planted in the world. And there has been some tears planted in the church. There has been. Whatever. It's okay. I see what he's doing. I see what the enemy's trying. I I see where he's at work. I've told you for the last month, it's been a battle that I've been facing as the pastor. I've I've seen it all. It's been a battle. It's one thing after another after another. It's it's a battle, and I know it's the enemy. I, I listened to Bishop Bernard one time, and he said, if it's one thing that you're facing, he said, that's probably just life taking place. If it's two, I'm not quite sure. He said, you really need to pray about it. He said, but if it, if it goes beyond that, he said, it's an all-out attack of the enemy, and Satan is trying to stop what God is trying to do in your church, and you need to address it. Yeah. 
So I can tell you right now, the attack has been coming, but I also want to remind Satan this morning that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You can plant all the tear you want to plant. So go ahead and waste your energy. Go ahead and waste everything you have, all your resources. So go ahead and do what you want to do. But no weapon formed against this church will prosper because we are his and his church will prosper. Going to prosper. And I'll also go on to say that every tongue that raises itself against you will be condemned. Hallelujah. Just throwing that out there. If you're in his hands, you're into his ground. You're his when you come up. You're his when it's hot and the sun's beating down on you. You're his when it's cold. You're his in the rain. You're his in the middle of all kinds of terror, war. Doesn't matter what you're facing. And when his church is surrounded by the spirits of perversion of this world, God will always defend his harvest. Why? Because he knows the value of it. You are valuable to God. You're valuable to God. Just think of that, put in perspective the story I just shared. Personal story from my house just a few days ago. Put that into perspective. There are times that the windows of heaven are popped open, and I don't know if he has a 22 or if he's shooting a 50 BMG or if it's a, it's a grenade launcher or if it's a tank. I don't know what it is. Maybe he just has his hand. It's all he needs. But I promise you there are times that when he looks down and sees what's taking place, uh, it, he says, hold up. I put blood, sweat, and tears into that. That's my field. So there are some times when the enemy's just out there minding its own business, planting tear, tears, and then out of nowhere the church begins to recognize what it is, and the pastor preaches to them, hey, this is what's up, we're under attack, things are taking place, and we reach out and we say, God, we need your help, that the windows of heaven open up, and there's just, Poof. you don't belong here. Why does that happen? Because we have power. Through the Holy Ghost. Right, Brother Mark? You've got power through the Holy Ghost. You received the Holy Ghost last week. You're not the same anymore. You've got power. So when something comes against you and your wife, you can stand up in your house and say, not in my house. I take power and authority over it in the name of Jesus. Mm. So listen, if the enemy cannot remove my wheat status, if it can't change the fact of who I am, it couldn't change the identity, then why did he even come? Because if he can never destroy my wheat, he's wasting his time. But why did he come? Because he comes to devalue the harvest. Not to destroy the harvest, but devalue the harvest. 
He comes and plants the tear amidst the wheat to devalue the harvest. Look at the things that, that, that have been planted in your life and that have devalued your harvest. I want you to think about it for a second. I want you to look at the things that has been planted in your life that have devalued your harvest. The people that you have allowed into your life that have devalued your harvest. The environment that you let yourself get into that devalues your harvest. The circumstances that have been planted to devalue the harvest. What the tear will do is rob the soil. Hear me. Hear me. What the tear will do is rob the soil of the nutrients that could be fueling the wheat to be stronger. It's not necessarily killing the crop, but it is weakening the crop, which means the, the crop is not going to produce as much harvest. It's not going to get mightier. It's not going to be any stronger because its nutrients is being sucked away from it. It is in constant battle with something else fighting, trying to get fed. Anybody feel that way in here? That you feel like you take one step forward today and you take two steps back tomorrow? You're constantly fighting something back and forth. I'm telling you right now, there's some tears that you have allowed to come in and devalue who you are, and you need to make sure that you defend your harvest. You need to defend who you are, and there is some tares that need to be removed so you can get all of the benefits, that you can get all the nutrients that is being given to you. I'm telling you, there are times that I'm preaching, and I'm casting out seed, and because you have allowed tares in your life, it's hitting the tares and falling off onto rocky ground, and you're not getting it. somebody this morning needs to remove the tears from your life. It will extract from the ground that which was meant for the wheat to stop it from being bountiful as it was meant to be. Satan doesn't come crashing like a bull in a china shop. But he comes in and loosens the screws on the shelves one at a time slowly and stands back and laughs as it all cr comes crashing down at one time. He's not like the deer that plowed through your garden and destroyed it. He's not even like the groundhog that openly makes his way, not caring if anybody sees him. He just comes strolling along over to the garden, come over to go and try to steal some tomatoes. Doesn't matter if anybody sees him. He's not intimidated by anybody. He's just out in the open going to do what he wants to do. That's not how, this, that's not how Satan works. But how he works is this right here. He's like that small little worm that goes unseen and hidden in a garden until you can visibly see see the damage that's why when you walk out to your garden and you look down and you see that spot on that tomato that it looks like something has gotten into it something is wrong with that that you don't look at it and just say hmm, hope it fixes itself whoop there's the guard there's a worm eating our garden whoops Hope it doesn't come back next year. 
Absolutely not. But when you see it, you have to be proactive. And you have to take the necessary steps to remove that. And a lot of times what that is, is you have to, whew, hallelujah, this is not my notes. This is the Holy Ghost right now. Listen to me. What it is, is there needs to be something that you buy from the store. And you can shake it. And you can cover the things out there that will keep everything away. What you need is some anointing oil. You need to get in the prayer closet a little more. And you need to begin to cover yourself. And you need to, there needs to be a covering over your harvest. You need to protect that which you have. And you need to say, I'm going to defend what God has given me. You need a covering. You need the covering of God. And you need the covering of the man of God. It's biblical. It's biblical. Go look it up. It's biblical. It's biblical to be submitted to God and submitted to the man of God. It's biblical. That's where that covering comes from. Listen to me. If you will not sit under my covering, you got no covering. You can't say, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sit under the covering of a pastor. I don't need to hear what he has to say. Listen to me. You remove yourself from under this covering, you no longer have that covering. You don't have it. It's not how that works. I've heard people say, ah, I don't need church. I know who God is. I don't need fellowship. I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't need all that church stuff. I'm just going to live my life and do my thing. You have no covering. I tell you right now, that's why even every pastor needs a pastor. That's why Bishop Bernard, who oversees all the United Pentecostal Church, will tell you he has a pastor. Every pastor needs one. Every saint needs one. We need that covering. We need to make sure that we have what God has designed for us as our covering. And the Bible says that while men slept, I'm almost done. While men slept, the enemy came and planted terror amongst the wheat. He is not attacking the wheat. Uh -uh. He's attacking the owner of the wheat. Though he has planted the terror amongst the wheat, the wheat has nothing to gain from being wheat. It is just what it is. The owner has nothing to gain from the wheat being what it is. So the enemy is not the enemy of the wheat. He is the enemy of the owner. You with me? Almost done. So the wheat is caught up in a war between the enemy and the owner. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying this city, this region... The souls of this city, the souls sitting on the pew this morning, the person sitting next to you is the wheat or the harvest. And Satan is trying to devalue the harvest because he's the enemy of our fields. He is the enemy of this city. He is the enemy of your soul. 
He wants nothing more to devalue what is inside of you. He wants to devalue because he knows you don't belong to him. You don't belong to this world. He knows who you belong to. He knows who it's going to hurt more if he can devalue you. It hurts the owner, the one who purchased you with his blood. That's who it affects. When the church is under attack, it not only just affects us, but it affects the owner of the church. When we're not working and firing on the same, all same cylinders, when we're not in unity, which is why I've been preaching it so much, when we're not in unity, I promise you, it not just affects our plans as the church. It not, it's not going to mess up VBS too bad. We can get through VBS if we're not unified. We can make it happen. We can get through a Sunday morning. But I'm telling you right now, if we are not unified, it devalues what God has for us. It devalues his plan for this church, and it affects the owner's plan for this church, not our plan. But this morning, I'm going to talk to you as the reapers and defenders in this last hour. And I'm telling you, we're living in this last hour. We're living in this last hour. I was going to preach another message this morning. And I had this one. And I had another message. I said, Lord, I need clarity. Lord, I need clarity. Where, where do you want me to go this morning? I went when we do. And I kept waiting. Brother Ryan was so patient, waiting for scriptures to come to him. And he texted me, and Lord, I threw it off on you. Because I said, I was just waiting on the Lord to tell me. Sorry, Brother Ryan. But I was just waiting. For clear direction. Because the, <laughs> there's something in the other message that I want to point out. It was talking about end time. It was talking about the hour we're living in. And I might preach it soon anyways. But there was something that I was going to mention that. That there was, there, was, there was such something that just hit me so hard. That when I saw it, I was on not Facebook but Instagram. And I saw it pop up. And I thought, well, I mean, people, a lot of people started sharing this. I thought, what in the world is this? And there's these pictures of, of Jesus down washing the feet of all these different people. I'm sure some of you saw it. And it had every background and it had, you know, it had, it had, it had every culture and it, it, and it had, you know, just so many different things that they, that they were washing these people's feet. Jesus washing people's feet. And, and someone put on there, Jesus gives the best pedicures. He has come, he has become nothing more than the one who will wash your feet when you get dirty. He'll love on you. Oh, Jesus has my back. Yeah, he does. Jesus loves you. He's your savior. Yes. But there has become a spirit of acceptance in this world. Not defending but allowing anything and everything into the garden. There was a time that we would preach against a lot of this stuff. But we have shied away because we don't want to offend anybody. His word will offend you. 
it'll offend you right into salvation if you'll listen to it. But I'm telling you right now that we're living in the end time. We're living in a time, and I'm, 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 I'll say this, in case anybody wants to come back and say, oh, pastor said that only certain people are allowed in this church. Absolutely not. Every individual is allowed in this church. But I will preach against sin. preach against sin here's why let me read this for you 1 Corinthians 6 9 through 11 this is not a part of the first message I'm just going to combine them verse 9 know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God be not deceived be not deceived. Hear me this morning. Don't be deceived by what the world's telling you. The world's telling you, oh, everybody gets to go. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You say, well, pastor, you're really hitting against people. No, listen, listen, let me remind you of something. Verse 11, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by his spirit. You want to know why I'm going to preach sin in this last hour? Because they need to hear what they're living in is not going to get them into heaven. And the goal is to get people to heaven. It's to get people to heaven. finish this message or go to this one. How much time we got? I'm just Let's preach them both this morning. Let's all stand. In this last hour that we're living in, this hour where the world's mindset is trying to be pushed upon the church, this hour that we're looking and seeing prophecy be fulfilled right in front of us. This hour that we're living in right now, we cannot afford to fall asleep as the master fell asleep. The owner of the field fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, it allowed the enemy to come in and to do whatever the enemy wanted to do. You see, the enemy is looking for opportunities to slip into the church any way it can. But God is saying you must learn to reap with one hand and defend with another. We can't just get so caught up in defending because if all we do is defend, 
there's no one to reap. This is why I say we've got to live above some things. Because some of us, we do nothing but defend. Constantly on the defense. And we haven't won a soul in years. Because we're too busy defending. That's why we have to learn to reap with one hand and defend with the other hand. In this hour, we must have reapers and defenders. I'm not talking a reaper and a defender. I'm talking a reaper and a defender. One of the same. We have to defend what God has given us in this church. And God has given us something great. You heard Bishop Stark say it when he was here. He said, this is a church of gifted people. This is a church of gifted people. And this church right here has something powerful that God is wanting to use. The soil is just right. The seed has been planted. Things are starting to grow. We're starting to see where God is taking us. We're starting to see what God is doing. We believe in it. We've given into it. We're doing great things. We're trying to work together. There's some bumps along the way. But listen, the enemy is trying to come in when we fall asleep and plant the tares to suck out the nutrients that God has put into this ground. Today, I want to challenge you as your pastor that before we leave this place, that we would be willing to step out of our pews and walk to an altar this morning and say, God, I refuse. I refuse to fall asleep in this hour. I refuse to allow the enemy to have free access into my home, into my life, into my children, and into my church. I refuse to do that. I refuse to let this take place. God, I refuse. And today, Lord, I'm going to defend what you have given me. I'm going to defend what you are doing in this church, God. God, this is your church, not my church. This is your church. Do what you see fit. Listen, I'll tell you right now, there are some of you right now, you're dealing with the, you're dealing with the spirit. You're dealing with the fence, and you won't even move. You won't move. You are going to be robbed today of what God has for you. I'm being straight with your, as your pastor right now. You are going to walk out of here empty and robbed for what God has for you. It's your decision right now. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just telling you right now. You're going to walk out of here. You're going to have nothing. This seed's going to take no place within you. Nothing's going to grow. Nothing's going to change. This is for everybody this morning. If you want this, if you want this, you push past. Push past. Push past right now the tear. And come and strengthen the wheat in your life. Now, God's wanting to do this place. God's wanting to do it. Come on, I want you to find somebody next to you and start praying with them right now. Let's pray. 
God, defend. God, defend. Lord, God, right now, God, we will defend right now, God, the harvest. We will defend, Lord God, God, the spirit that you have placed inside of me. God, I'm going to defend, Lord God. God, right now, what you have given me, Lord, God, great things you have given me. God, I refuse, God. I refuse, God, to let it go to waste. I refuse, oh God, to let that nutrients, Lord, be sucked out of me, Lord. God, I refuse.